everyone. Welcome to another edition of Break the Ice. Joined now by Nick Kiprios, Caps alum. And uh, we're going to start with, uh, Nick, your junior career in the uh, OH... Was it OHL then? OHL. Yeah, okay. We had Dennis Marook here, and he was the OHA guy. So North Bay Centennials. Burt Templeton was a, a guy who coached that team forever. Uh, there are a couple of Caps alum played there. Joe Rieke played there briefly. Um, uh, you were a guy who put up a, a lot of great numbers there and, and didn't get drafted. Uh, tell us about your, your progression to North Bay, and, and uh, what was it? Because you're a big guy. You, you, not like you know, size was an issue or anything. Just were you a late bloomer? Or? Yeah, I think it's fair to say uh, a late bloomer. I had been originally drafted out of minor hockey uh, in the Toronto area uh, with the Kitchener Rangers in the OHL. I was a, a fourth pick uh, that year for them in the draft. Uh, I went there. I was the last cut on the team, and it was uh, devastating, but... Uh, they gave me a chance to uh, reassign me to uh, an affiliate of theirs, uh, Provincial Junior A Tier 2 Hockey uh, with, uh, at the time, Mississauga, Dixie Beehives. I was there for about uh, three weeks. And it's funny, too, because uh, when I got reassigned, uh, I went home. My, my mom was a little upset that uh, I now has to transfer schools again. This is like... Uh, uh, late September and uh she finally gets me settled in so I think I'm gonna have uh, a whole year with Mississauga Dixie and then they trade my rights up to North Bay and uh it's a hike and I'm like mom uh I got traded up to North Bay and she goes uh you're not going up there there's there's wolves up there I'm like no that's Sudbury wolves mom that's uh more north <laughs> anyways uh I I call up Bert Templeton say um my mom's not gonna let me go up there <laughs> she wants me back in school at home. Uh, he he got on the phone, talked to her, uh, convinced her that I'm wow. up there to play hockey, that uh, I'm not, he's not trading me, he's not moving me anywhere. He gave uh, her uh, his word that I was going to go up there and go to school and play hockey and uh, nothing else. And uh, she said yes. So... Uh, Good on Bert for talking my mom in, or else I'm not I'm not wow. here talking to any right. of you today. I can assure you that. But uh, I went up there and uh, uh, wasn't uh, like overly uh, smashing success there. I think I finished the season with 12 goals, and uh, but I did show some signs towards the latter part of my first year up there that I could have some success putting the puck in the mm -hmm. net. The following year, I scored 41 goals. The following year, I had 62 goals. Uh, but I was not drafted uh, when I was uh, first eligible after my initial season up there. And uh, the Philadelphia Flyers invited me in, on a PTO at the time, a uh, player tryout. And uh, I, I left that camp with a contract. Hershey. And, uh, yeah, and then I, I spent the next couple of years uh, uh, running out my junior eligibility. And then they assigned me to Hershey. But uh, wow. an ex-cap, uh, Kevin Hatcher, was also a member of my team up right. in North, North Bay. Bay. Yep. And uh, uh, we, we knew Kevin was going to have a smashing success uh, early uh, with the Washington Capitals. I remember when he uh, when he left the uh, the dressing room for the last time in North Bay, he signed a stick for me and he said, "See you in the NHL." And uh, sure enough, uh, my first game was with Kevin Hatcher in the NHL, and I'm like, "Hey, you uh, you kept your word when you signed that <laughs> stick to me." 
That's really so great. Was, uh, something that really stuck out. So the Flyers actually, so you were actually technically them Flyers property while you were still at North Bay the last yes. year or two. Yeah, correct. And, and uh, uh, that that was a, a slow process too, uh, where uh, I started a 10-game a run there and uh, it didn't go well. And uh, I actually went back to North Bay as an overage mm. year. I had a small wiggle room of eligibility as an overage. And uh, instead of uh, being in and out of the lineup in Hershey, I went back to North Bay yeah. for another year. And then the following year, yeah. uh, we had great success. I had uh, a 24-goal season uh, with Hershey. I think I led the team in game-winning goals that year as, a, as a, a rookie. And we won the Calder Cup in 1988. Yeah, John Paddock was the coach. Yes. And Kevin McCarthy was on that team, right? Kevin McCarthy was there. Our we, guy Cato. We had uh, a real veteran team there, which was so much fun because a lot of these guys had been pros for a long time. And, yeah, maybe had a cup of coffee in the NHL. Uh, you know, Don Knockbauer, Al Hill. Yeah. You mentioned Kevin McCarthy, of course, was a, a great uh, Vancouver Canuck yep. and, and a captain. captain. And uh, – None of these guys have ever, ever experienced a championship before. Like Kate, Cato, uh, Kevin McCarthy, first championship he's ever been a part of. It was a joy to see these guys win a championship. And that Hershey experience, I think, I don't know what it was like back then, but I, I just think it's such an outlier. It's it's kind of like the Green Bay Packers. A hundred percent. You know, what was it New like York in Yan- those days? The New York Yankees of the yeah, American Hockey League. Yeah, it, I mean, yeah. it's the tiniest town, yes. but they've got the biggest footprint. Rich, rich history. Saturday nights, Hershey Park Arena, oh eight thousand people, and uh, and you knew that it was something special to be a Hershey Bear. Uh, you're not in the NHL. That's not your dream yep. to be in the American Hockey League and uh, and and have a career there. But if you are uh, going through the process, and that's what we tell our kids every day, there's a process. You don't you don't get to A to C without going to B first. So uh, there's no better place than uh, than Hershey in the American Hockey League. So then you go to training camp with the Flyers, and they put you on waivers. The Caps claim you, I think, yeah. October 2nd. October 6th, you're yeah. in the lineup playing against I know. Philly. I know. I mean, what was that like four days later? Yeah, it was <laughs> a whirlwind uh, experience because here I am, and I'm, I'm really thinking I'm having a, a good training camp, which I did, and uh, – uh, all indication was I was going to play my first National Hockey League game as a Philadelphia Flyer, and uh, there was a, a bit of a tech, technicality because the the year that I went back to North Bay as an overage was one year as a pro hockey player, uh, and those ten games and those ten games, yeah. and it, it was unclear whether the Flyers needed to protect me or not, and sure enough, David Poyle and uh, and Jack Button, the late Jack yeah. Button, uh, great uh, uh, director of player personnel here for the Washington Capitals, uh, snapped me up. And uh, the next thing I know, three days later, I'm, I'm playing my first NHL game against the guys that I just spent years with, you know, training Sweating. camps and exhibition games. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, my, my head was spinning to say the least, but uh, at least my, uh, my dream had, had come true for that one night. And then um, you, uh, your first fight was against um, Robert Dirk. <laughs> yeah, not a small guy. No, but that was part of your brand. Was you, well, you would take on anybody? It, it uh, yeah. And I always 
kind of enjoyed that side of it. I, I really did. And, uh, uh, I knew I had a reputation for scoring goals, but you also know that, uh, if you don't bring something else to the table and, you know, this is where some of these kids today, uh, they got to understand that when you're not scoring and you're not having, um, you know, nights when yeah. you're, when you're being noticed, what else can you do? How else can you contribute? And I, I knew that I was big enough and strong enough that I could take on some of these guys. And I, I just remember the reputation that the Washington Capitals had. And, and, you know, the one thing about the late Brian Murray, we all know, you know, a great NHL coach, uh, he liked his teams tough. And there was a stretch with the Washington Capitals where the Philadelphia Flyers would just yeah. eat them up. And it drove him nuts. And uh, in this particular instance, it was not me looking for a fight to get on a game sheet or anything. He take his, he took a healthy run at our best scorer, Dino Cicerelli. And I thought it was just a, a, a good opportunity for a young kid to come in there and say, hey, listen, uh, he's our best player and uh, much like, we see still today, not probably as much as we uh, we have in the past, but a guy like Tom Wilson yeah. will go out there and make sure that uh, you know everybody's uh, I, there's accountability for certain things on the ice. And when I was able to do that against Dirk for the first time, um, it, it certainly was noticed by Brian Murray and, and David Poyle and, and Jack Button, and it's like that's what's what's been missing here for a long time. And Alan May was there too, and Alan. Uh, led yeah. led the the league in fighting and penalty minutes, and we had an answer a little bit for for teams like Philadelphia, which kind of balanced things out in that old uh, Patrick division. And Peter Bonder loves to tell the story about his first NHL foray and his first he scored his first NHL goal the same night that Yarmir Yager scored his. And he said you and you and Alan were his line mates, yeah. which I mean that tracks back in the day. They make sure that the the skilled guys had. Had the, the guys riding I, shotgun. I, I, re I remember saying, Alan, I can't keep up with him to protect him. <laughs> uh, that's going to be a problem. Like, they're going to get three punches in him. I won't even arrive in time. That's how fast Bonsai is. Uh, but what a what an amazing one. We knew from day yeah. one. I'll never forget uh, uh, our practice at uh, Mount Vernon Arena, if I yeah, stand corrected. That's right. And uh, we knew that they, they had a signing. Uh, his name was Peter Bondra. And... Uh, we watched that first practice, and I, I watched his first three or four strides, and I'm like, "Oh my god, this is this is like uh, this is another another level." And you uh, just knew from that that one practice that this that this guy's going to be great. And you had a couple good years with the Caps, and then get traded to to Hartford, where I think you had your best year, yeah. over 300 pims, 17 goals. That, those are some some good power forward numbers in those days. And you're playing for Paul Holmgren, yeah. uh, Pierre Maguire's an assistant coach, and Cato is, yes. is an assistant coach there too. Um, that 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 had to feel like I'm yeah. on the map now. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And uh, 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 just an, a wonderful opportunity to kind of show that you can be an everyday player and, and stay in the lineup. Uh, unfortunately, at the time, uh, the, the team and the organization is yeah. trending down. Yeah. And we were a little bit of the, the leftover of Ron Francis, yeah. and Kevin Deneen, and these are some big names in, in Hartford that ended up getting traded. Uh, they made the decision of Ulf Samuelson and Ronnie Francis to Pittsburgh yeah. for 
John Cullen and Zarly Zalapsky, and those guys were good guys and good pros and, and, and stars in their own right, but they couldn't fill those shoes in that town. That's a small town. It's a small community. They felt slated, uh, uh, and they totally took it personally uh, when, they're, when they're, their stars were, were traded. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, unfortunately, it uh, spiraled to the, to the point where they had to move the uh, organization. But, yeah. you know, uh, Hartford, you know, I really enjoyed my time there. I did. Uh, unfortunately, you know, it was not in front of 15,000, 16,000 people yeah. every night. Uh, but the ones that did come uh, cheered, and they cheered for me, and I, I respected that. And when you got moved, you got moved for one of your old North Bay buddies, Darren Turcott, and you go to New York. And yes. That, that's a great great landing yeah. spot for you, that's playing for Mike Keenan and winning the Stanley just, Cup. Just uh, being in the right place at the right time. Uh, surrounded some uh, some of the best hockey players in history, and Mark Messier and, and Brian Leach, and uh, fifty four years without a, a championship. And the moment that uh, I ended up in New York City, uh, you felt uh, the, the the feeling of can, can we just see it once before we die, please? And uh, you know to experience that on an original six team. In that city, in that city, at that time, and at that time, yeah, it was uh, it was great. Uh, you know, the beauty of uh, uh, I, I know it's very prestigious to to play for one organization and 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 uh, and say that you only uh, wore certain colors your whole career, but uh, it, it's nice to be a, a Ranger alumni. It's nice now to be a Washington Capital alumni and and come back to these cities and and feel like. Uh, you know, you were you were part of history, some real some real history. I think it's cool too that I agree with you. You know, to to be one guy and in one location, but look, those are the outliers; those are the rarities. Yes. I think it's good to to hop around a little bit, get to see different fan bases, different cultures, and stuff too. I mean, look, the careers are short, and you're able to do that. And shortly after you win the cup, you go home and you get to play in Toronto yeah. when they're still at Maple Leaf Gardens. Yeah. And I know your career didn't end the way you or anyone else would have wanted it to, but. What did it mean to you to be able to, to play at home yeah. for the Leafs, the team that you grew up? Yeah, yeah a very surreal feel. Uh, when I first put that jersey on, it, it, it felt like I was seven years old and I just opened up a Christmas present under the tree mm -hmm. uh, looking at that logo uh, sitting on my chest and going, no, 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 this is for real. And, you know, could be blood on it by the end of the second period. I don't <laughs> know. But, uh, you know, it was uh, an incredible thing. At the time, I think... I was the only the 88th uh, player to be born in Toronto and play for the Leafs. And, uh, like, you think about all those road hockey games yeah. in, in the city of Toronto over the course of, you know, 75, 80 years at the time, and you're like, you like those odds, <laughs> right, that uh, a Toronto kid's going to yeah. end up playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. It was, uh, it was a great, great uh uh, situation for me I was at the towards the latter part of my career my mom and dad my sisters uh, the Greek community up there yeah. very strong uh, uh, community in the Danforth uh, to see a, a Greek boy come out of Toronto and uh, and uh, and don the the blue and white and uh, you know also be in a position too to know that that was going to be my home after I retired yeah. so wonderful opportunities again i mean we all think that we can play forever but the reality is that it's all going to come to an end and uh it's nice to be situated uh where people remember you 
and uh, you know you you got to work hard off the ice. You got to make contacts. You got to prove that uh, you have value outside of playing uh, the game of hockey. And and retiring at Toronto Maple Leaf did that for me. It opened up uh, a lot of doors, including, uh, of course, a, a broadcasting career. And uh, you know it's nice to see now. Like I'm coming back as a Washington Capital, but we were like in Maryland, we were in Virginia, like there was no DC uh, in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. We were told to avoid this area. That's right. And now I'm coming back and I, you know, you see Carl Alsner making home here and uh, everybody's now, you know, in a position where they really think of retiring here in DC, which will only strengthen our alumni. Yeah. And uh, again, wonderful opportunities for these guys now after they retire to stay in the community and uh and and proudly uh you know don the colors as a an alumnus it's really fantastic and i remember seeing you at the um uh the alumni game before the winter classic in pittsburgh decade or so ago but um talk about that that transition from playing to to broadcasting because i think you know the decades that you're on Sportsnet, I, I thought you were just terrific. Thank you. And and um, I mean, you were you were a guy who was breaking news. You you had integrity. You were serious, but you knew when to have fun too. Like I, I loved you know yeah. watching down here. We that you know watching the hockey night in Canada intermissions on Saturday night were were gold to us down here, especially once you were actually able to do that and the production yeah. value and everything um, that that you'd get from those broadcasts, even the studio stuff was, you know, we were hungry for that yeah. kind of stuff down here. Yeah, and it's constant in, in Toronto, and there's a thirst uh, and an appetite for it. So uh, certainly the opportunities were, are there for ex-players to, to be in that area and either, you know, we, of course it's hard to get on a TSN or a Sportsnet or yeah. Hockey Night in Canada, but there's now more opportunities than ever through uh, YouTube channels and podcasts, mm-hmm. and you can create a platform and you can you can build a brand. Uh, so there's lots of opportunities there. Much like my career, it's kind of the broadcasting world was make it up as you go along. I didn't know whether I scored big in junior. Am I going to be a big scorer in, in the NHL? I, I don't know. If it's not, then do something else or contribute in other ways. Same sort of thing with the broadcasting. I, I didn't know how this thing was going to end up. And I I ended up breaking a lot of news, but it was almost by kind of accident or, or default because uh, they kept pressuring me or not pressuring me, but they're like, you know, you've got a lot of friends out there. Mm-hmm. Can you just call them and find out what's going on? I'm like, okay, I'll do it. I'll call them. You know, <laughs> hey, what's happening? Oh, uh, you know, and the next thing you know, they're using it. And they're like, hey, that's awesome. Can you do it again? <laughs> and can you do it again? And I'm like, well, I don't want to keep bugging people. But because of the thirst up there for the uh, yeah. that information and who's heard or who's going to get traded or who, who just got traded, uh, we, we know what that means to be now an insider in, in, every, in every sport. And it is entertainment and, and all of that, but uh, we were a new station at the time. TSN was the only national uh, sports yeah, station in Canada. Right. When we started in 1998, this uh, uh, CTV Sports Center at the time, they were already telling me, you're not going to last five minutes. There's no room for a second sports station in, in Canada. It won't last. And, you know, by year five, they're making a profit. And uh, now T- 
TSN and Sportsnet. They got like seven channels alone. There's wow. like 15 channels between the two of them, and and thirsty for more. So uh, it was it was a tough process. I battled anxiety uh, at times. I didn't know. I couldn't. I was so nervous. I couldn't remember a guy that I played with three years ago his name, and it's like uh, well, this isn't going so well. But uh, I managed to kind of stick with it. And uh, uh, in, in my book, I just, I, I, in greater detail, I, I tell a story of my first year. I actually got let go. I got fired. Um, wow. And uh, I managed somehow to, to hang in there because the story leaked in the media. A Globe and Mail writer uh, got the story and wrote that I was going to get let go. And my boss was so ticked off that that leaked. He actually kept me another year to spite him. And I'm like, I, I owe that guy a Christmas card every day for the rest of my life. <laughs> That's and, a heck of and, a story. And, and so he he took me off in, on my second year. He, he completely backed me off live TV. I taped more. Uh, and then I got stronger uh, <laughs> by, by doing less. And in theory... My second year should have been my first year. My first year should have been my second yeah. year. But I went from almost being fired in my first year to broadcasting Sidney Crosby's golden goal uh, at the Winter Olympics in 2010 uh, mm -hmm. in Vancouver. And, uh, I mean, that's, uh, that's one of those stories where you just don't know until you know. I mean, that's incredible because watching you, you just look like a natural. It, it just seemed – you know, I always wondered how you went yeah. from, from being, a, you know, a player to, to – so seamlessly, but wow. Oh, no, there are seams. There's, yeah, I, I guess so. <laughs> a lot of seams. And you said the word thirsty in there at one point, and um, Bobby Margarita, yes. we know about him, but it seems like you've got a little uh, yeah. Kip Kipper's cocktail kind I of a do. thing going I on. I do. With, My wife and I, and, and it was one of those uh, transition periods where I just kind of backed off the broadcasting a little bit, and I wanted to do something else that uh, was away from the game of hockey and maybe put together a team and, and create that uh, – uh, that that team feeling in, in another aspect. So we uh, we started a beverage company called Little Blue, Little Buddha Cocktail Company, uh, and uh, at the time these these drinks were getting uh, very popular. Uh, but there's certain ones we didn't like because there was too much sugar mm. or um, you know just too sweet or. And we just uh, we sat around one night. We did a checklist, and we said, "Well, we'd like it organic. We'd like it uh, keto, uh, gluten free, of course. No yeah. sugar, under ninety calories." And uh, one thing led to another, and uh, we we put uh, a drink together. Uh, our first one was a uh, 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 grilled uh, pineapple and rosemary. Uh, we huh. sold close to 23,000 cases our first year. Uh, we have four flavors now. And actually, we are um, we are in the D.C. area. There's no a, a push now to maybe uh, start something in the U.S. And I was just told the, uh, a couple of weeks ago that uh, we're in, uh, I think, four stores here in, in D.C. Um, and uh, well, you got to uh, let me know. I'll, I'll, yes, uh, I will. I will. Uh, and it's a uh, little Buddha, 4% uh, vodka. So it's on the, yeah, you know, the I, light I mean, side, light side, little you know, healthier uh, ingredients than than others. Uh, got carrot juice in it, uh, pumpkin juice. So it's been a good experience and and one that uh, you know my wife and I are, are awfully proud of uh, in in such a short period of time. Well, it's been fantastic talking to you as always, and and um, I encourage everyone to to read the book because I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna order it and read it and. 
Yeah, um, and, and you know the book is called Undrafted, so uh, you know the the bigger picture is that. Well, we all want to be Ovechkins and Crosbys and Stamkoses. There's plenty of us who need to find different ways to get to the same destination. So, uh, you know, we, we many of us aren't drafted, but we have to find a, a different path to get there. And this is kind of weaving my story through uh, the roadblocks or, you know. Uh, I love it. You know, Can't wait to read it. Yeah, thank you. you know, it makes for a great story. Thanks, Nick Kiprios, for spending some time with us here. 